What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I am here with Anthony, Lori, and Mike. And we are discussing A Discovery of Witches, Season 2, Episode 4. And I guess the theme for this episode is ask and you shall receive because all three of you guys have been saying that you want to go back to the modern time in the episode. And that's literally all we got this episode. So you guys got what you wanted. Were you happy with the episode? It was a good episode. I think that we got, I mean, I know you're happy because you got a lot of Domenico. I got a lot of Um, Domenico. (laughs) I think that I actually have a better insight into I got, I got a lot of insight on Marcus because I, I always felt like Marcus was the one character that I would that I would really like if I knew more about him mm-hmm. or if they actually expanded on him because he kind of seemed he seems like an innocent kind of doltish kind of kid but he seems like the kind of he seems like the character that seems that way but when it comes right down to it he's the one that you can definitely count on I mean Matthew obviously trusted him enough to give him make him head of the knights. So there was. A, I'm glad they got. I'm glad I got a little bit, little bit more insight on him. Um, I and he got busy, and I'm happy for him. Good job, yay! <laughs> but um, yeah, I like I like this one. I just think that they're they're really half stepping the reveal of Philippe because that's kind of an important thing in this whole series is meeting Philippe de Claremont. So I think that they, they did this on purpose, doing it in by doing this whole episode in current time, because they know that everybody's waiting to be like, oh my God, we're gonna see Philippe de Claremont. And they're like, not so fast. Let's go back. Let's go back to modern times first. Then we'll go and give you and give you the payoff to what you want. I think so. they I think they probably needed to give us something a little more not necessarily lighthearted because this episode dealt with a lot of kind of dark stuff, but I think they needed to give us kind of a palate cleanser because I have the feeling when Philippe shows up next episode, judging by the preview that I saw for next week, um, shit's going to hit the fan. So yeah, I think they were like, okay, let's give them some, some good stuff, some happy stuff. Let's, you know, let them see Marcus. Let's let them see somebody have a little bit of happiness for a moment because, yeah, we're about to snatch the rug from up under you. That's kind of how I felt. Right. And and Domenico's, I'm, I'm increasingly loving Domenico's character just because he's so fucking sneaky and like <laughs> plotting. And it's like everything he does, I'm like, oh, God, what does he, what's he getting ready to do? And it's like he's keeping me enthralled. Like, oh, my God, he's getting ready to do something really fucking and the way that he's balancing everybody is just really fucking cool. So yeah. This That's is a, the thing I like this, about him. I'm like, he is, he's going from this person to that person and he's holding secrets and he's 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 just basically manipulating the system to work in his favor. And I'm all for it. <laughs> it's, it's almost like, you know, you got one character playing chess, one character playing checkers, and he's right. playing, and he's playing risk. Like he's, he's 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 doing something completely off the charts. Just right. Yeah, everyone's over here. He's way over there doing this thing. I have have a have a a newfound appreciation for him. The way that he's juggling it and not getting not getting caught up. I'm like, all right, he kind of knows what he's doing. All right, cool. Yeah. 
Um, I, I also like that we did ask for some present day and we got plenty of it. So now I'm going to ask for some action because we are now in episode four of Info Dump and we haven't had any like real action. And I'm starting to get bored. Because even though we're getting info dump, you have to think about it. Just like in the first season, we're new to these characters. We're new to this story. They have to kind of give us the buildup. Same thing for this for this season, even though it's the second season of a show because they've jumped to a completely different time. It's almost like establishing a new show. And what is it that we always say the rule about new shows? You got to give it like four or five episodes. Four or five episodes. To, to <sighs> it. So we, we've established the <laughs> 1590s. We've established who the key players are in the 1590s. And we've kind of sort of established their importance in See. driving the story forward. So that's been done. Then they brought us to the modern times to kind of remind us what's going on there because this modern time and whatever it is that we've learned in the last four episodes, all of that is going to tie together somehow. We'll see, but but the problem with info dump episodes is they ultimately leave us with more questions that that inevitably don't get answered. You know, and I, and and for me that I'm starting to have questions about certain things because I I get to sit around and listen to them talk and <laughs> and and deconstruct everything they say and how things are happening and it's like. Some stuff is like that doesn't make any sense, sir. And I'll, I will bring this up again later. Let me write it down. But there's some things that that aren't adding up. Based okay, so on, let's on start those. with your questions, and then we can get into the episode because we can kind of follow the flow of the questions. Okay. Well, this is going to be skipping ahead. Like one thing that bothers me is when Isabel is talking to Marcus about the the blood rage gene and how she's a, she's a carrier mm-hmm. matthew's a carrier and marcus is a carrier no matthew and, is actually afflicted i mean Ma- matthew's afflicted and then she's like you know that's why we had all of the the ones you sired cold i was like when when did that happen when did that occur and what what reason did they give him for culling them if it wasn't because they weren't sick I don't think just kind of what from what I gathered, I'm thinking that whenever his the ones that he tried to sire, um, I guess when when they didn't make it, they probably told him that they were just dying off. They didn't make it. They weren't transitioning kind of like his friend in the first episode of the show that he tried to save by siring. Um I don't know if, if that blood rage had anything to do with that failed siring, but maybe that was kind of the excuse that they that they used in the past. But it, it was it was how she said it. Like she didn't say, "Yeah, that that's why none of your uh, that's why we told you none of your sires made it because we called them." She just straight up said, "Yeah, we called as if he knew that they were all cold." I, you know what? I don't know if 
This episode <laughs> is this episode one. we learned that Isabel is very blunt and direct. Like when, yeah, when <laughs> like when she found out that he had told a human about what he was, she was like, Well, now you'll just have to kill her. And she said it with like a straight face, like it wasn't anything out of the ordinary, like, oh, this is something that you just do, which leads me to believe that those vampires or those uh transitioning vampires that may have been killed she probably looks at with the same kind of nonchalance like okay they would have they would have ended up being afflicted philippe told matthew to take care of it and again we see that matthew pretty much does what his father says you know so he did it they probably told Marcus that, oh, it they didn't make it, or maybe they told them somebody else killed them, or I mean, we don't know what the the answers are yet. But I mean, the way Isabel just said it kind of like, oh, I it, it almost came across as if now that I've given you this information, oh, let me just tell you the truth. Okay, so this is why your children weren't were, you know, were cold. And it's just kind of like. I mean, you could kind of see Marcus looking at her kind of like, you did what? Y'all did what? But, you know, when we watched that scene, um, again, I usually watch the show with my daughter. And my daughter said, so if he is carrying this fatal virus or disease, wouldn't they think, aren't they smart enough to think that he might want to know about this so that he will stop going around trying to make other vampires? Like, Yeah, that, that was the other question mm, I had. Like, like they could have counseled dude, out a whole bunch of that stuff. Just tell him and he wouldn't do it. Like, hello? They kill him, stop pulling. They stop siring, boy. <laughs> and, but the other, the other thing related to that is does the do the other vampires know that that was that was a Declaremont thing? Like, it's is there a rumor. reason? It was a rumor. So, because because uh, she threw me off when she said, "Yeah, if they found out that they would, you know, kill me, you, and Matthew, um, mm-hmm. Matthew." So, but it just seems it just seemed really. So I guess that's what Zubair was saying to Domenico. If you can make it connect to the Declaremonts, you know, because of the rumors, then it will work out. Yeah. Because I'm under the impression, uh, like Isabel said, Philippe created the congregation and the Knights of Lazarus to protect her and probably to protect that secret. So the, the congregation is to advance vampire interests okay that's and that's the one thing Jabert always says that's why Philippe created it Matthew has always said that the Knights of Lazarus was created to assist those who can't help themselves themselves, which in that case Isabel would qualify for that but it does beg the question okay so if Isabel knows that this is in her bloodline how long has she known it? Like, maybe I'm wondering, is this something that was discovered after she turned Matthew? Because remember, she talks about the time that after that after Matthew was turned, he was in a rage about being, well, 
we assumed he was in a rage about being turned, but she just said he was in a rage. And then he went off and did his thing. And Philippe, you know, she said Philippe never allowed her to ask where Matthew had been or what he had done because he was out there pretty much wreaking havoc. So if he's fully afflicted, we know it's probably that it was probably that blood rage, which again makes me respect him all the more because obviously he has a pretty good handle on it. Maybe not great because as my daughter pointed out, we never found out how the two human ladies that he died, that he loved died. I so think that I think is fairly certain because right. because then Ham Hamish kind of hinted at that. Like, you know what happened the last time. You know? Yeah, but we don't know if it was that bad or if, it, you know, or if it was just an accident. If it was something that happened in the throes of passion, we don't really know at this point. We can speculate now that we know about speculate. the blood rage. But again, something that major happening and being able to keep it a secret that Matthew would be doing that, that's a lot to cover up. Yeah. And Philippe has been gone for 70, 80 years at this point. So it does. But they should have told Marcus. Marcus they, should. Oh, definitely. No. They so definitely. He, he wouldn't be going around trying to sire any, right. any offspring. The so, other thing was he's, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. So real quick. So my question for all of that is with them being scientists, have they attempted at any point in time to find a uh, cure? And know what they're doing now. No, they're trying to figure out why, why they can't, why it's so hard to sire, why witches are losing their magic. Well, yeah, here's the thing to too, because when Domenico brings that, that information to Marcus's attention, Marcus says, my grandfather eliminated blood rage centuries ago. So as far mm -hmm. as they know, it has gone around in centuries. Yeah. They, they haven't seen it. So why would they spend time looking for a cure for something they think has already been taken care of? So either, mm -hmm. either it has been eliminated or what we talked about in the last episode, Matthew and Diana's going back in time changed something that affected the future it to and come now back. this thing is in the future you know we speculated the last episode maybe jack got turned somehow and and he's the one that's doing it in the future we don't know or maybe it's somebody else from that time no i'm pretty i'm fairly certain it's jack. i have a theory no, i'm fairly certain jack. it's jack fairly don't certain say it's now. the baby don't say it's the baby i mean it i mean it kind of fits I also believe that Domenico, Domenico, Domenico knows who it is because first of all, he went to the, which actually brings brings your point up that is Jack. It the fact the the damning evidence that it is Jack is the fact that whatever whichever vampire is doing it went to the auction house, killed the guard, and stole the and stole the two paintings. Mm -hmm. And the only per, the person that was charged with protecting those two paintings was Jack. So that's damning evidence right there. Yeah. So you're so there you go. See that's, that's what you, that's what you <laughs> get when you when you have a theory that doesn't involve like prepubescent the prepubescent <laughs> like throat clearing, <clears throat> which means mind don't mind don't work. So good job, man. <laughs> and it makes sense 
But of course, I'm thinking about the child that Jack is right now and not as, you know, maybe a fully grown adult who has been changed. And, and again, we kind of have to wonder if that's the case, like how did it get to this point? Because I would think that even the way that Matthew is with Marcus in the future, we see the care that he has for Jack in this, you know, in 1590 right now. Yeah. I would think that if, you know, if, hold on, I have to gather my thoughts because I have to remember Jack was probably not in the picture the first time Matthew was in 1590. So yeah, that's the one thing that probably has like drastically changed and, and is now affecting their future. But, but see, my the the other but the other problem I kind of trying to wrap my head around is if they don't take Jack with them, like if they're not going to take them with them on this trip, because I'm assuming they're not going to come back because they're going to go to France, they're going to go to Bohemia to get the the book, and I think they're going to leave right after that. So it. it Jack is not going to be turned by anyone as a child. You know what I'm saying? Like, it can't be Matthew unless, uh, you know, unless the Matthew that comes back is now been saddled with Jack and maybe he'll feel a connection to him and change him. But I can't imagine him doing it either. This is, I have a lot of, <laughs> I have a lot I of. I have a theory, <laughs> but oh, it hinges. What? But it hinges. Well, this is once in a blue moon. Let me write this down. <laughs> it actually awesome. is on the preview for the next episode. Have oh, you see, I haven't, seen, the I haven't seen the preview for the next episode. Not yet. Not yet. So I can't even say it. But I, no. I have a theory about that. We'll we'll talk about that next episode. I have a theory about that. About okay. who who would have changed Jack if if that's the case. Okay, and and before we go on, the other thing also revolves around Marcus. I have two more things with Marcus. Okay. I think I I understand um, Michael how much yeah. like Marcus. I like Marcus too, but Marcus is easily distracted Point. because he should have been the one trying to figure out what was going on with these murders. Because Dominica's like, you don't even know what's going on, do you? He's like, oh, yeah, whatever. It, they're not going to believe it's a vampire or anything like that. Dominica's yeah. looking at him like, dude, do you not really realize what's happening right here under your nose? And, Mar and Marcus played himself because he was like, did anybody, did, was anything taken? <laughs> like, he literally led him to what he was looking for. I'm like, dumbass, what? Right. Are you kidding me and, right now? He literally and, and, told him, you should probably look into what was in the vault because you'll find something interesting. I mean, he might as well. Yeah, he might as well say. And even Isabel later is like, dude, you're like in charge of, of, oh, because Baldwin comes and says the same thing. Like, do you not know what's going on? You know what I'm saying? And then Isabel is like, you're like in charge of the knights. I mean, what? but here's the thing. I, but I'm just saying, like, say, in Marcus's defense. Okay, here we in go. In Marcus's defense, <laughs> according to everyone who has talked about the Knights of Lazarus so far, Matthew, Baldwin, Isabeau, the Knights have been, I mean, even Nathaniel said something about it. The Knights have kind of been defunct for a long time. 
And then all of a sudden, before you time jump, you hand this responsibility to Marcus and you don't really give him any preface. You don't give him any preparation. You don't give him any training. You don't tell him what the purpose of it is and what his role is to be. How is he supposed to know? I mean, if you think about it, the first few episodes that we see Matthew and Marcus interact, Matthew treats Marcus like he's the, like he's the screw up child. You know, the way he talks to him and the way he treats him is just kind of like, oh. you know, even after he almost changed his friend, when Matthew came out of the room, and, and now that I think about that, so Matthew was in the room, I guess, with the body. How do we know that that didn't, you know, that Marcus's siren didn't actually take? You know, the guy could have come back to consciousness after they got him to the hospital and Matthew took care of it. We don't know. But when Matthew walked out of the, the hospital room or the emergency room or wherever, he just kind of looked at Marcus in turn and, and you know, just kind of looking like, oh, I can't believe I have to deal with this. And now, you know, looking back, because we know about the blood rage, it's kind of like, you can think it's one of those, why did he have to do this? Because this is something else I have to cover up. Well, you should have just told him what was going on, and then maybe he wouldn't have tried to do it in the first place. Yeah. But okay, so... Marcus, Marcus has not been given any direction. It's just here. I'm making you the I'm making you the head of the Knights of Lazarus. Philippe made me promise that Baldwin doesn't get it. Help me keep that promise. So okay. what am I supposed to do? I, I, I understand, but come on now. If he's been around long enough he's he's been a soldier if he's now in charge if he didn't leave if Matt, if matthew didn't leave any instructions for him the first thing he should have done was try to be like okay well i need to find out who who's all still around and where they are in case i need them like he didn't leave it he didn't tell me so i'm assuming all the information is available to him somewhere well because you have to think about this too Okay. Even if they are defunct, so, they they are because what was the first thing Baldwin did? Baldwin was like, "It's a burden. Give it to me. Just give it to me, and I'll do it. I'll take care of it." But so obviously, the there was something involved. Baldwin, the, Baldwin also doesn't know the full sense of Marcus's burden. So not only is Marcus now the head of the Knights of Lazarus, he is also harboring two demons in his home which is against congregation rules and Isabel has had him looking you know trying to help or tasking Nathaniel to look for signs of Matthew and uh, Diana in the past Marcus has a lot of on his place and he's an emergency room doctor and guess who could have helped him with all that maybe another Lazarus another night <laughs> or two you know hey buddy I'm in charge. I need you to do this for me. Whatever you're doing, you need to take a vacation, sick leave, whatever you got going on. I got more pressing matters I need to take. But care would of. he know who they are? I'm 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 sure I, I he would, I'm sure he, I I would think that that he would know it's that. Matthew. It's Matthew. It, 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 it doesn't he, matter. It's Matthew, and I wholeheartedly agree. He he needs to. He should have learned how to delegate everything. He should have delegated finding that stupid finding those two things and buying them he should have delegated that first of all and he really should what he should have done is he should have pulled a lupin 
and bought it, then stole it, then been like, where is it? I am shocked. Where is my money? But you know, I mean, he wanted he wanted to get with Phoebe, so that was the whole thing about that. He he wanted to see her as many times as possible, as many ways as possible. Which so. brings me to my next point with Marcus and another issue I have with all this standing around and talking. All right, he's gonna sit there. To he's <laughs> gonna sit there and tell her, tell Phoebe, I'm a vampire, and she's was, like, really. Okay. And the way he told her, he was just like he didn't even. He didn't even try. He, he didn't even. Like, he didn't even. He was dude, like, yeah, that, I'm a vampire. Run around her three, four times real quick. You know what I'm saying? Don't just stand there looking at her and thinking she's going to buy it. Show her a fang or two. You know, Do something. I, okay, I I have to give you that one. That was the issue for me, too. It's kind of like when she was like, you're a head case or whatever. I was like, why don't you just run to the other side of the park and run back? Like that would have convinced her. But the oh, writer, okay. but the writers and the director was so concerned with trying to show how pained he was telling her. You know, they were so concerned with their dialogue that, that they just ignored the fact that he could have just shown her. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. Because she didn't like, believe it. Like, that, that shows how non-committal it, he was from the ego, and that's why Isabel was like, just kill her. Because you obviously didn't care enough to make her believe. So you got to kill her now. Okay. It would serve his ass right if she, wait for it, was actually a member of a secret society of humans who were, wait for it, vampire hunters. Oh, my God. Serve his ass right. It's Phoebe Van Helsing. It would serve him right. Because, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She was a little too, well, you are a nutcase. Okay, see you later. No. Old girl knew something. I mean, I'm sorry, but I, I don't buy that. Old girl knew something. You want to know why she knew something? Because her nosy ass was snooping around the house. That's, exactly. That's, exactly. That's, a, that's, that was, a, okay, that's, a, that's another point. She she must have put it on him. Like, how do, you, how do you knock a vampire out long enough so you can wander all around his house? He's a vampire. You found the blood bag and you found the box with the old photos. He was walking around for like two hours. And and why? Why if you don't if you don't have a story about the photos, put the photos in a safe. If they, oh well, my family we just have an uncanny. Exactly. The men in my family have an uncanny. You know, we just look like the they heights. have doppelgangers. Yeah, the <laughs> literally, literally doppelgangers. Our, our height. Our heights may change, and our eye co- color may be different. You can't tell the eye color in the black and white pictures, but we're we're all fairly look he, like each other. Or he he could he could have said, you know, I'm really good at Photoshop. I like <laughs> my basic pictures. He had no so anything the, other than oh, vampire. I think he now got now Lori Lori has given me a new theory. Thank you, Lori. I'm going to steal it from you. Okay, go ahead. He's a vampire hunter. That's right. Even though she she didn't realize she stumbled across a vampire, but she's a hunter nonetheless. She can't be a hunter because you've been in the house with a vampire and two demons. Well, she slept with a vampire too. The thing that she was just, I mean, okay, okay. If most people meet up with somebody and they have known them less than 24 hours and they do the one night stand thing and they are snooping and then the guy says, let's go for a walk. First of all, why do you want to go for a walk? We already did the deed. I'm going to go home. Second, they're walking in the dark in a park and he just casually tells her, oh, well, I'm a vampire and she does not freak out. 
that should have been the sign to him that maybe you might not would have told her. She was too calm, too collected, and she kind of played off to get away from him just so she could go report to whoever she reports to. I mean, it was so ridiculous. I'm sorry. I mean, she obviously was looking around the house for something. She obviously, look, the moment I would have found that blood bag, I would have been out. I'm sorry. Okay, I well, mean, at least we know that Marcus is a gentleman because he didn't call her Uber after he was done. They're like, all right, you got to go. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> yeah, I don't... There's, I don't a, there's a, basically, all the stuff with Marcus is just all questionable. I just have a mm. lot of yeah. questions about what they were doing with his character. Like, I, 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 I don't know. Because she didn't even ask about the blood bag she didn't even ask about that in the refrigerator. She didn't even ask. And why did he even have to go for a walk? It was his house. The blood bat could be... It's a doctor. Could, right. I was going to say, could be explained, especially with the fact that you have a pregnant woman in your house. Okay. She doesn't know She doesn't know the circumstances of why Sophie and Nate are there. She just sees that Sophie is heavily pregnant and there's a blood bag in the, in the fridge. Uh, in the fridge, which everybody knows when you're in the hospital, you keep blood bags on, you know, you keep them cold, you keep them on ice. So maybe that was an easily explainable thing for her. The pregnancy is anemic, she needed blood. Yeah. Okay. 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 Would be the more questionable thing in the scenario because you can't really explain away 40, 80 years worth of pictures why, why you or someone who looks exactly like you are in the same picture. The blood bag in this scenario, I feel like is more believable than the pictures are. Okay, all right, fine. But I do have a question. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the two demons who are pregnant, uh, whose mother is a council member, are hiding out in his home. Don't you think if you were going to have a booty call, you'd go to her place? I'm just saying. How reckless was that? She, I well, mean, come well, on, think about it. To be, fair, to be fair, she was calling him from outside his house. It's not like matter. I know. I don't think she was outside of his house. Uh, she wasn't she outside. Was, she she was outside his house. I mean, that was the one thing she said that he was a mystery to her. Like he, and I think that's the reason why she was snooping around the house, not because she was a vampire hunter, but because she was trying to figure out more about this guy that she literally just slept. Yeah, she, she's you a know, historian. She she's naturally out, curious. She said, yeah, she said to him that you are a mystery. You know, you don't really like to talk about yourself. She said that from jump. And as far as the other question, something tells me that Marcus is probably not very experienced in this. Like, I'm sure, mm. I know he's a vampire. I'm sure he's been in relationships before, but we all know that they've discussed that mating for a vampire is a serious thing. It's almost like a, it's a permanent thing once they decide to do that. Maybe he's just been cautious, or maybe nobody has caught his eye since 1776. Really, I okay. mean, Edward Cullen was single for 108 years. Okay, okay, oh my God. okay. I'm just saying, yeah, that's a long time. That's a long time. <sighs> All right, that, 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 was, that was my main issue with that is that he put the baby in danger. 
okay? Yeah. You put Sophie in yeah. there for no damn reason. I mean, that you didn't need to. I mean, he didn't know her from Adam, okay? What if she really was there as an assassin, could have took him out, spy, got hexed by one of the witches to go yeah, in as a right. spy, you're or right. any of that could have happened. She could have been a spy for the congregation. Exactly. You know, I, and I think it's also very, it is also very convenient that Baldwin just happened to show up the next day. Speaking mm-hmm. of which, Baldwin got a haircut. I'm he looking, did. I'm looking at he did. I, I almost didn't recognize him. I was like, who is this thing? Yeah, he was like, wait a second. He looks a little, he looks a little bit too often. He, he, I, like, I, I kind of was like that too. I was like, who the hell is that Boston Marcus? I was like, oh shit, that's Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah all, all, okay, all I gotta say is that's an extreme version of going to someone's house and going through their medicine cabinet for her to be going through his whole damn house yeah. and just rum, rummaging around. I mean, she literally opened every cabinet, mm-hmm. every drawer, mm-hmm. every box, yep. everything. Yep. Like you said, why was it? Why were those pictures like in the in the office behind? On the, the mantle. I mean, think about it. If you are someone like Marcus, if you're not used to having anyone close to you and only supernatural people. It probably never crossed his mind. I don't think he, you know, he didn't anticipate inviting her over. He didn't anticipate the turn that it was going to take. So, I mean, I'm just going to say, as far as Marcus's character, I think he's just naive. He's naive and probably inexperienced. Well, I was I was gonna say if they wanted if they wanted to basically make an episode and show us how careless he is. That would I would I would be okay. Okay, okay. So y'all are basically want to show us that he's he's careless. No, that he doesn't he doesn't take care in his actions. He doesn't take care of his surroundings. He he doesn't think things through. He's just careless. But I mean, you have to think about it. If if he's never had to worry about any of those things before, that kind of behavior would not be ingrained in him. If he's the type of person that as a vampire, he keeps other people or outside people at arm's length. Think about it. The whole first season, who did we always see him with? Matthew and Miriam. We know that he had knowledge of who Juliet was, but that's because Juliet used to be with Matthew. We never see him, you know, aside from the one doctor, we never really see him talking to anybody else. We've never seen him at work. We've never seen him in any other environment except for the environment that we're familiar with, with Matthew, with Miriam. But he's over 200 years old. Okay. He's so been he around is... Matthew for oh. over 200 years. Also, also, he I hasn't I... learned anything. He, so he's yes. the least paranoid has... vampire ever. He probably has learned from looking at Matthew's exploits and the fact that Matthew has killed two women that he fell in love with. Hey, hey, you know what? It might be better if I just keep to myself. Also, I think I think just from inviting binding her up, I think he was expecting those turn of events. So that that's not an excuse for him. Also, Matthew, when it when um, there was a point earlier in the season where, or or maybe last season when. Um, when um, Diana was snooping around and she found the and she had she had to like like knock on there was a desk she had to knock on it or like pull doors out and stuff to dig and find stuff that he had hidden specifically so no one else would see it so I don't buy that 
if just because he was around supernatural people that he couldn't have hit those pictures. I do not buy that at all. So he yeah, he'd have to break the desk to get it. It definitely speaks to him being naive, being not being out of his depth as far as being leads of lead a lead the lead knight of the Templar. But again, you are comparing him to Matthew, Matthew who used to be a spy, Matthew who is used to in his life having to hide important artifacts so that they aren't discovered. He's over two hundred years old. Okay, so what what did we say earlier tonight? We were talking about education and people with degrees. What do we say? Just because people are book smart, that doesn't mean they're common sense smart. Age okay. does not mean experience. Okay. You know, okay. I, I would think to to be a per, to yes. be a vampire to be around for as long as you have and to be in the same place, you got to have a little bit of of tact you know changing your name making sure people don't see you in the same place every you know all the time for a hundred years i mean 20 years i'm just saying i I, I mean it's just everything everything about how they've written his character up to this point i was okay with but it seemed like this episode i i feel like we're beating up on him but they they made it easy because they did all the stuff surrounding him is it's like you have to I, I don't want to say you have to keep making excuses, but you have to you have to figure out a way to make it make sense. Like, oh well, you know, he wasn't really paying attention. He's very naive. He's careless. Well, he doesn't really have experience with women. He doesn't have an experience with women in that way. And I'm like, okay, everything can't be justified by something. No, I'm just, I'm trying to defend him. I'm saying it's too much. And I understand. You guys are making some great points, but what I do, again, I have not had a chance to read the books yet, but what I do know is that his character is so important that the author wrote a whole new series based on his character. And supposedly this Marcus and Phoebe relationship becomes something very important in this in this series. So even though the way it's playing out on TV, on screen, feels a bit juvenile, I have to think that there's going to be a good explanation, maybe, in, maybe not in the next episode, maybe in the episode after that, because I feel like the next episode is probably going to be strictly 1590. But I have to think that there's a payoff because for him to make that many stupid decisions in an episode that really was kind of Marcus centric, it makes no sense. Why in give literally us a 24 hour period? <laughs> right. But I mean, why give us this Marcus centric episode if all you're going to do is show us? how ineffective he is. I don't think that's I don't think that's the purpose of his character. I think his character is going to mature and going to be a better character after this, but I think again, I really felt like looking at this episode for me Marcus just came across as very inexperienced, very you know, he just he's not Matthew and I think that's what this episode is supposed to show us that even though he's been around Matthew, even though Matthew is, you know, by all means, technically his father, he is not Matthew. He is a different person. So he is going to have to carve out his own, his own way 
moving forward and become important in his own right instead of being in Matthew's shadow. And I think that's really what this episode was supposed to do. Just kind of start there and then build us up. I mean, even, I mean, if you think about it, look at the way him and Isabeau kind of interacted. You can tell that there's actually some genuine affection there between them. And she was very matter of fact with him, yes, but she was also, I felt like, kind of encouraging to him, like, this is what you've been tasked to do. You need to start learning and you need to carve your own path. You need to decide how you are going to be as the head of the Knights of Lazarus and go from there. See, this is my problem with the info <laughs> dump episode because you didn't need to do that for me. You really didn't. You could have just, you, if you had made this episode in a different way, like the complete opposite. Show us how effective he is, but he's different than the way Matthew would do it, as opposed to showing us how ineffective he is. And then you're going to have a whole episode later to show how much he's changed and grown or whatever. I would have just assumed that he was going to be different anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I feel like it was sort of kind of wasted to give us, to set us up for a payoff later. Like, I would rather have seen him navigate this situation differently than the way Matthew would have handled it. You know, you could have had to see where he's, you know, Miriam show up, is like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm not Matthew. She could have been like, that's not how Matthew would have done it. He's like, but I'm not him. I did it the way I thought I should do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would have rather, because I like him. I like Marcus a lot, too. I like his character. I think he's great. But I feel lit down by this episode. Like, wow, <laughs> you really? You've already shown us that where he was when he turned his friend or tried to turn his friend. Mm -hmm. And Matthew's like, that was stupid. You didn't even ask him for permission. Like, there's a way to do it. And you didn't even do it. You don't even know if he wanted to. Okay, you've already established. And even with Miriam's side comments, she's poking at him, making fun of him. Okay, we get it. We know that about his character. That's why we like him. But you don't have to give us a whole episode of the thing you've already shown us. You have. I don't want, I don't want you to do this and then give me, because when you do the payoff episode later, I'm going to be like, okay, you could have done this three episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so. Also, um, in the first episode when he, he sired his friend, before he did that, when they were talking, his friend said, you were out all night again? So he was like, yeah. So that, that shows that he actually does have some kind of, some kind of swap, some kind of way with women. So I, I'm just, I, I love him. I just don't want to keep giving, like, like he said, I don't want to keep giving him excuses. I don't want to just like, just, I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly with Anthony that you should just let him like let him go, he'll go about his own way, and don't show him as being inept. Because basically, you're showing him as being inept, and that he's gonna blow everything. I mean, it's like if that's the case, you might as well, he might as well just given Baldwin control of the knights, and then just been done with it. And and mm. and when you could even have made it where now that he is in charge of the knights of Lazarus, he changes. He's different now. Like, he realizes how important it is. We already know he's, before you've already shown us he was immature. 
now he's been given this burden. Show us how he, effective he is. Show us why Matthew entrusts him with this burden. Why Matthew gave it to him, other than oh, I just don't want. I, I was just told not to give it to <laughs> Baldwin, so let me give it to you. Really, and if they are so defunct, why would he even give it to him? He could have just went back into the past because he's coming right back. Come on, guys. I'm just well, saying. It, it, it could be. It, it, okay. Okay. All right. So let's look at it this way. Let's look at it as Marcus is everyone's little brother, and you have a you have a baby brother, and you're a little bit older. You might be, you know, in my case, 13 years older than my brother, and. I made the mistake of one day of calling him kid. Now, mind you, he was 35. He didn't like that, but I still call him kid, right? So if you are the youngest in the family, we think that Marcus is, and you've been given a lot of things, but you haven't really been forced to really uh, grow up. And by giving him the, the order, that was his way of maybe saying, you need to grow up a little bit, but they also give you a pass because you're the baby. Okay. Everyone knows that the baby gets the pass, baby gets special treatment, yada, yada, yada. So I'm thinking that what we saw in this episode was a little bit of that, but it also was a little bit of him uh, doing what his grandmother wanted him to do. He got into a situation. He had to deal with it because if you look at what he did when they gave him a task, he was pretty much on point. He didn't uh, waver. He did. Okay. Go to the art house. Okay. Get this. Okay. Retrieve that. He did what they asked. He reported back. He tried to give her the slip. He did everything that he was asked to. I just think that when it was him himself, because he got excited because he met a girl that he likes, that he kind of threw a little bit of precaution because she's just a human. What can, quote unquote, she do? And she's not going to tell. So I, I think that's what we're looking at a case of because the way he stood up to his uncle, the way that he told Baldwin in a nice way that, uh, no, you're not getting this. That was Matthew's influence running through him, but it also shows that he's old enough, again, 1776, to know that when Matthew says, this is what you need to do, this is what you've been given, he's got enough sense to gently, in a different way, tell Baldwin to back off. However, yeah. however, I knew you were going to say when, that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Because you made very good points. I'll, my own, It's not my only issue. It's just, I think it all started with the theft of the portraits. Okay. And the portrait was the only thing taken from the vault. The only thing taken. Mm -hmm. Did he try to figure out what happened? Did he say, hmm... Let me somehow go see this body. Like, show some, put forth some effort because that was a targeted attack. Like, you didn't even challenge Domenico. Well, Domenico, maybe it was you. Why would you be interested in what I want? Um, I mean, I'm just, even though he's the one that put Domenico, Domenico knew more than he did. Like I said, Baldwin comes in. Have you been reading the paper? Do you see what's happening? No, he doesn't. And I and 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 I think I'm I'm I don't know why I'm being so passionate about this because I do like the character. <laughs> I just think he's been done. You don't a like the way that he was presented in this. He, he's, and that's he's, been, he's been done a disservice in this whole entire episode. But I do want to get off of Marcus and talk about uh, Jabir and his friend and their map 
like the friend's map. He's like, oh, this is my information going back to the 1300s, tracing the book, right? Yeah, so all of a sudden, him and Peter Knox are buddy-buddy. Um, what, what, I... <sighs> Yeah, that was kind. Of, that was kind of sus. <laughs> I'm just like, D- come on, guys. D- this this is what happens when you have an episode where you want to dump a lot of information in, and people are just standing around talking. You get yourself in these situations where now you have all these things that you have to make make sense. You have to make it make sense, and some of that stuff, some of this stuff, is not making sense. Peter Knox and Zubair, other than their 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 drive to take down um the the Claremonts so why you your focus isn't focusing on what Matthew is doing in the past but yet you need you you still need to figure out what to do by the because you can't go back and do anything he's in the past they're doing what they're doing you can't do anything about it even if you're going to sit there and try to figure out well where are they at what are they doing how are they doing it find the book like Find the book right now. Find out where it is. Because what, what, what are you going to do? You can't do anything. There isn't anything they can do. I hate to keep saying it, but they are in the past. Oh, try to figure out. Let's track their movements. Okay, how is that going to help you right now? Like, are you going to track their movements? They're in the future. They're in the past. Time walk? No. <laughs> Why the hell are you going to track their movements then? You, are you gonna are you gonna open a history book and hope and just stare at the history book and hope that the words suddenly change that all of a sudden all of a sudden Queen Elizabeth is talking to Marcus like okay he's right here what are you gonna do then you can't time walk you cannot time walk in 1593 they were in London on Bay Street in okay, apartment 132 you can't do nothing you can't do anything. <laughs> But it may give it may give them a starting point as far as where to look for this book. You got to think about it with the, with the two of them banding together. What is the end goal for Peter Knox? It's Diana. For Jaber, it's Matthew. He's trying to take down down the Declaremonts. But here's the thing too. This is probably why Jaber is trying to help Knox. Knox thinks Jaber is only trying to help him to take down the Declaremonts, but you have to remember Jaber is now minus a witch head. He's looking for another witch to control, and he mm. said as much last season to Satu when Satu let him know how powerful Diana is. So yeah, he's helping Knox trying to track down the book because eventually they feel like the book will lead them to Diana. We already know she has some kind of special connection to the book. We don't know what it is. We don't know why, but we know that the connection is there. So in their minds, if they can find the book or if they can track down the book, they may be closer to figuring out how to get back, uh, how to get Diana and Matthew back to this time. And then I fully think that when that happens, Jaber is going to betray Knox so that he could try to get Diana and control Diana's powers for himself. This this is the problem though. If 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 let's assume they're trying to find the book also. Mm-hmm. So we basically have the people in the past who are looking for the book and the people in the present who are also looking for the book. Do you know who wins that race every time? 
The people in the past. People in the past, they win it every time. So you're wasting your time looking for the book because no, because here... they're gonna find it before you find it. Well, well, yes, it's true, but but see, here here's the thing: the people in the past. It, it's entirely possible because they do this. They've done this a few times at different shows. They can leave clues for you to find in the future, and maybe they come across a, a clue. And that might enable them to get to one step closer than where they were before and not necessarily get the, the book right away, but they close. I mean, it's entirely possible that they could between a, a witch finding a clue, doing some really, really serious research that the moment that Diana and Matthew come back from time walking to current times, that they're literally were the were at the end of the first season and they're basically in the same room with them going hi how are you hand over the book i mean that could happen yeah okay but there's <laughs> i hate time travel there's I know, no, but you know, there's you know no possible no there's no possible way they can know where they're going to show up no they might not know where they're going to show up but if they can trace Matthew right. and Diana's movements, if they right. can track where they were, what cities they visited, what locations they visited. Right now in present time in 2020, which is where, where we're still assuming that the current time is, the book is missing and has been missing for centuries. Mm -hmm. It's possible that the book could be missing because Matthew and Diana may have hid it. That could be where right. there and uh, Knox's thinking is. If Matthew and Diana locate the book and, and they hide, they hide it. it so that the, only they know where to locate it in the, when they come back to the future or it, you know, if they bring it back from the future, whatever, if they have an idea of what patterns they're following, they're probably thinking this will lead us to where they're going to be. This will give us an idea of where to look for the book. Yeah. So, so they the can't because 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 her father already hexed, he already put the spell in the book and already hid the book. But Jabert so and even, Knox don't know this. They don't know that Stephen had anything to do with the book. Right, but even if even if Matthew and Dana find the book, whatever version, whatever book they find, if they, when they find the book, they they're their possession of the book is not going to supersede uh, her father's possession of the book. Okay, well, we, go. we don't know when Stephen we don't know when Stephen had the book. Okay, this is where Aunt M comes in. Okay, conceivably, what you could do is you could use Aunt Emily, do the little spell, which was really cool. Go back, say, 40, 30, 40 years hang something over their heads where they have to force them to talk to the ghosts of Rebecca or Steven, make them give up the location by blackmailing them, come back into the future to current times and use that to find the book. I mean, they, there's, a, there's a few ways, just because they're in the future doesn't mean that they can't, I, I disagree with you about the whole, they're I believe that if you have enough skills, you have enough trickery, I believe that they could actually, if not get the book, get pretty darn close and you to have getting to the think book. about it. Knox is known to, to dabble in black magic. Exactly. What he can use that black magic to do. Exactly. Hex spell, tracing, locator spell. He could find another person. He could Don't be rolling walk. your eyes at us. Don't be rolling your eyes at us. 
Look, I, I, I get all that, and that those are very valid points, but we're talking about Knox. Knox doesn't have the wherewithal to do Knox and, and, no, and Zubair. No, Zubair. Come on now. Zubair, first of all, why would Zubair believe anything come out of Peter Knox's mouth? Anything. Because Peter Knox, first thing he does to him is lie to him. He's like, oh, yeah, uh, Matthew has created a new cabal, and we don't even know why, because, you know, some witch in Madison finally broke and told them yes they had a demon and a witch and a you know vampire all at the house i mean he's crazy it's it's true but he he said it to zabir in a way like they're conspiring against the congregation and zabir's like yeah Matthew Claremont, the the biggest, you know, the, the person who does the biggest screw you to the congregation, doesn't follow any of the congregation rules, doesn't care about them, is not threatened about them by them. And he was in a location with, and we discussed this last season, three witches three demons, three vampires. It literally was another congregation. We have already discussed this. So Knox is not too far off the mark. He's not, but he's put a spin on it for Zubair. But see, Javert and Peter are basically the same person. So if you're the same personality, they're going to lock sync together. And of course, they're going to backstab later on, but they're going to work together to get a common goal. Well, it, it just shows you that people get obsessed with something. They tend to miss the little things. <laughs> and, and, oh. and, and we, we've seen this a common thread in this show amongst many of the characters where they get obsessed about something <laughs> and they miss all the little things, you know. Nobody and, gets obsessed in this show. What oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> they all get obsessed. <laughs> they all get obsessed. And then Jabir and Isabel. And then Jabir showed you how stupid he was talking to Isabel. Isabel's like, dude, don't you ever come here again? <laughs> like, no. really? But the other thing with that. <laughs> I'm saying, she's like, she's like, don't you not have witches here? What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> the fact that she just lied to him and the fact that you know that he knew that she was lying. You know, or what he, was he gonna do? He was well, gonna do that's anything. True. That, that's true. Isabel, sta- if you're a vampire and Isabel declare my is standing in front of you, you fear for your life. This <laughs> you is have true. to watch what you say. Right. And when she tells you to leave, you leave. Like <laughs> you know? she was not bothered at all. Like <laughs> everything, everything that Jabert was telling her, he literally was showing her his hand. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when he mentioned the blood rage, they they the camera panned to her face. Expression did not change. Mm-hmm. Not not a peep, not not an eye twitch, nothing. And she kept getting closer and closer to him. I was like, that was mm-hmm. that, that was almost like weirdly sensual. I was like, is she like did was there something between them? You know, I thought could have been. Could have been. Because the way they were talking and the way she was like getting close to him and kind of like kind of giving him that little sensual like kind of you know you could have just sent an email. I don't know if it was I wouldn't say that she was being sensual. It was like the way that Jaber was talking to her, he was talking to her like 
he was very familiar with her and she was kind of giving off the vibe like maybe there was something between them but he may have hurt her because when he mentioned something about her love for Matthew she said and what would you know about love I was like oh that was personal yeah it wasn't their first go around to me yeah not their first go around they've 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 tangled a few times right so I you know if you think about it like that I I thought that that she had gone in that yeah. might be another reason why Jabert has such a vendetta against the de Claremont family. Now, I'm sorry, Anthony, what did you... Uh, yeah, Hanukkah, I, what is that? Oh, all I was going to say was, I, it seemed to me she was turning into predator mode. Oh. Like, um, she, she had switched to... Because she almost had the same air about her when she was talking to Diana when she was hunting about, you know... Yes. And it seemed like she it seemed like she had switched into that mode when she focused in on him and started stepping towards him. I was like, dude, you are a hair a, a breath of a hair away from being decapitated. And, and I think yeah. and I do think maybe it does have something to do with their history. Like if he says one more thing, if he crosses this line, he's going right. to die. And that's yeah, what because, it's like to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that because see, here, here's the thing. Uh, it, it was either those two had a possibly a friendship, or they were on the same side, or he and Philippe were really close. Something happened, something kicked off. They had a disagreement because the way that she was there, like Conical said, with the whole you know demeanor, it, it kind of made me think that there was something that had happened, maybe with one of her children or one of his children that went really, really bad. And she was like, what do you know about love? Maybe that was reference to that because she's very black and white and she's very, very uh, stern. And when she wants to do something, she does it. When she says it, she says it. And with him, it's like, why is this fool showing up in my house again? That's, you know, that, that's the thing. But I, I'm, I'm concerned. Because if they did have something that kicked off many, how many years ago, uh, could this be more of a, of a grudge thing for him? Not just getting revenge. It's just like, because you could have revenge and you could have a grudge and you could have both. And if you have both, then the other person that you're against it had better watch out because it's going to be twice as bad for you. Right. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking too, as far as her behavior towards him, we know that she has maybe still some issues with Matthew and Diana, but because Matthew chose Diana, she's going to support her son and embrace Diana as family. Now, she already knows that Jaber had something to do with Diana's disappearance. Literally, somebody took Diana from their land and took her to Jaber's castle Mm-hmm, torture mm-hmm. you have to think that's also in the back of her mind she's like okay i may not say this and i may not agree with my son's choice of of mates but that is his mate which makes her my family and one thing that we see isabel is very much about protecting her family so yeah i, I agree with anthony's assessment uh Jaber was probably like this close 
from being mollywopped. <laughs> because when when <laughs> because he actually steps toward her first in the threatening first in a threatening manner as he's talking to her. Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, he said something about love and that was when she stepped towards him, like, what do you know mm-hmm. about love? Right. Like, like, dude, you can't threaten me with that. And then she has the best line later when she's like, you traveled 800 miles, miles to tell me that. Yeah. Next time, sending in the email. <laughs> and then oh. she turned around oh. and walked. And like my daughter said, she didn't even, she didn't even look back. Like she was so... She was so not concerned with him. She walked through that door. She slammed. She didn't even look to make sure that door was closed. She was just like, what? She did the Ru- she did the RuPaul walk because I was watching it with the sound off. She did the whole sashay. She just was walking, just walking. I mean, you know, she was not bothered, not concerned. Not bothered at all. Okay. Like if Jaber at any point in time should have felt like a small being, that was it. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, she put mm-hmm. him in his place. Yeah, yeah. She, she is clearly uh, one of the best written characters on the show. Oh yes, and and she and as an and, older and her lady, performance she's is good. Mm-hmm. And she's gorgeous. As an older lady, she looks really well. But I haven't done it in a few. I have a theory. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got one from everybody this episode. Woo. Okay. And Emily's gonna bite it. Why? Because she got a warning from her wife not to go hitting up the higher magic. She says, I was younger. I'm more experienced now. She does the whole smoke thing. She's like, you know, rocking and rolling. She's cool. We love her. We know, and we haven't read the books yet. We're, I got to finish them. That some family member in the present dies in the third book, and that's what it's about. I say it's, it's uh, Emily's going to bite it, trying to help them with the book. I believe you may be right because I believe I may have seen a small yep. spoiler. Yep. Yep. That yep. She does die, but yep. I don't I, again, I don't know when it happens, but I I I did see something about that and I was just like, okay, I've got to stay off Twitter. <laughs> well, it's it's got to happen in this book slash season because and I haven't looked because I'm trying to finish the books in order. I do know that in the third book that when they come back to the present, they are seeking revenge for a beloved family member who has died. Yeah, you said that before. Yeah, so yeah, so it has to be this season. Oh, yeah, that was. I mean, I, I, as soon as she, as soon as um, Sarah tried to tell her not to do it again, she yep. said, "Promise me." I was like, "Oh shit!" And then exactly. she started sneaking away. My daughter was like, "What is she doing?" What? Emily, where are you going? Where are you going? What are you doing? You know where she's going. You know where she's going. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. it's like, and it's then, just like, yeah. Go ahead. And then you know what it is. They always say magic comes at a price. Always. And if this is something that she has been told not to do, and apparently has tried to do before, with some not so good results, then yeah, I sad to say it because she is like one of my absolute favorite characters on the show but yeah i kind of get that feeling yeah, too. especially yeah especially after she she tells her not to do it and she does it anyway like yeah sorry <sighs> always and especially you know the last time she we saw her do it she got freaked out yeah know? so yeah <sighs> she'll yeah. be missed <laughs> 
but we're, but we're not gonna we're not we're not gonna mourn her yet. That's the theory. <laughs> because, you, it's, it's, because it's either her or it's either her or Sarah. It's one of the two. I get, it's like either her dying or Sarah dying, protect trying to protect her. It's one of the two. And see, that's one of the things where it could possibly end up being Sarah, even if in the books it was Emily, because you know they change things on True. TV all the time when they do adaptations. You know, sometimes they keep a character around that was supposed to die because that character has become a fan favorite, or they figured out a different uh, a different storyline that they want to give for that character. So it's it's possible. You know, we may not we may not lose her, or we may not lose her until the next season. Who knows? But yeah, I I kind of felt that too when when Sarah sat there and, and told her, I was like, I don't have a good feeling about this. So either Emily is going to die or Sarah is going to end up dying, either sacrificing herself to save Emily or as a, as a result of whatever it is Emily's going to do. See, it's just, it's just like the, just like the book of death in the mummy. It's like, don't open the book. And you open the book and it's just no harm ever comes from opening a book. Right. No, no harms ever come from opening a book. Right. So I, like I said, I hope that that doesn't happen, but it can always change. This is TV. I mean, they, they keep characters around that are supposed to die. Lafayette in True Blood was a great example because in the book, Lafayette died. He died in the second book. First page, Bill, Bill second Quist, book. Bill yep. Quist in, Bill, um, yep, that's true. in the American Gods. That's true. That's true. You know, I, 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 the only thing that, that bothers me is that I have a problem with a show that has very limited POC characters. They always have to die first. And that bothers me because I think that they should be able to stick around a little bit longer. And I, I, I just don't like seeing that because for me, she's a more interesting character than Sarah. Uh, she seems like she's got more of a, of a story. And I'm like, really? <laughs> don't die. Well, well, she would be the only, unless Phoebe comes back, she would be the only person of color on. What about the show? demons? Oh well, okay. I forgot about them, but we we how often we see them. Phoebe's gonna be there for at least a couple episodes, so we know that they grab DB. Okay, so I I don't want to be depressed talking about anybody's possible death, so we're gonna move on. Um, Let's talk about this murderer. So. That first scene in the episode where the guy, you know, and we talked about this pre-show, guy bicycles, he's on the bike, damn, the bike in an alley. Yeah, no harm's going to help you happen there. <laughs> and then gets murdered. Like, we didn't even see the murder, but we know it was brutal just from the way the guy was like, it was... It was one of those, I was just like, I was sitting there in my seat like, ooh, like... I, I wouldn't even want to be a part of that. And then when we see the remains of this person, oh, uh, like into the rib cage. 
But it was so cool the way that they showed him dying because his feet sort of, you know, opened up and he sort of, you know, it was awesome the way he died. You know what? We have different definitions of the word awesome. <laughs> it was cool. No. Okay, I'm a sure. little more. <laughs> but, but yeah. So I think it was interesting once Domenico started tracking the scent of the vampire killer. And he tracked it to the art house or the auction house. Noticed that he could hear the commotion going on inside. And he just kind of sit there and let it happen. And then, of course, you know, you see the shadow go across in, in the auction house and the vampire, you know, took off. But I thought that was very interesting. Like, you didn't even try to get a little closer to see if, I mean, if if you're really trying to prove that the Declaremonts have a hand in this or it's something that is can lead back to them, I would think that you would want to get a little bit of a closer look. Now, I don't know what Domenico's fighting skills are like. I don't know how he would fare if he were to get, you know, near... He does really good against witches, but not so good against vampires. That's been proven. <laughs> well, this is true too, but I'm also thinking we we know that the blood rage is transmitted during siring. So if you were to fight some someone who has blood rage and maybe get scratched or get injured, can it be transmitted that way? So that could be a reason why he stayed back too. But I would have found mm. some kind of way to get a little bit closer to try to say, okay, hey, is this a Declaremont or who is this? Now, see, I didn't get that at all. Okay. When I watched it, again, I've watched too much Harry Potter and too many different series. I actually thought the way the scene was shot, that when he was standing outside, I thought that there was maybe some sort of past memory or something that was going to happen and they were going to actually show us like a rewind of what had actually happened before with the robbery and then we would have him somehow experience it and then he would have gone inside so i completely watched it completely different from the way you guys did that's interesting yes but see I, i took a more holistic approach to it i i looked at the entire thing as if like why is Baldwin on Marcus about what's going on? Because the blood rage thing, if there's someone running around with blood rage, that should be a congregation thing. Like Baldwin, yeah, good point. Baldwin should be on top of this. Like he should, he and Domenico and Jabir, who are all the congregation vampires, should actually be trying to hunt this thing down. But, they should be doing everything mm, they could to get rid of this thing. But Unless it's Baldwin. It's your family. Are you really going to get Jabert and Knox and the rest of the congregation involved? No. Well, even though it's not on, even though Baldwin is Philippe's blood son, Isabeau is still his mother, Matthew is still his brother, and anything that hurts them will eventually hurt him too. Because if this has to do with the, the Claremonts, and if it's proven that it has to do with the Declaremonts, Baldwin's life may not be in danger, but his livelihood would be. You really think they're going to allow him but, to but the head of the I, I, I guess. I guess my point is really more about Baldwin. Like, why is he all up in Marcus's butt about it? You know, Marcus should be interested in it, but 
like Baldwin should be this just in general he should be like okay I need to go check this out and take care of this you know what I mean like even if let's let's say it is the Claremont or someone related to the Claremont or could implicate the Claremonts he is still the Claremont and he's on on the congregation he should be more interested in trying to to figure out who it is instead of trying to wrestle being head of the knights of the you know trying to wrestle that away from marcus like where, where's his priorities Baldwin's priorities are with himself i'm just i'm just saying because like, here's the thing if they the, unseat him if they are able to unseat him as the congregation head if he is the head of knights of lazarus it may be a consolation prize to him but he'll still be in charge of something that supposedly could be as powerful as the congregation. I mean, if he doesn't have the Knights of Lazarus and he loses the congregation, then Baldwin is nothing. But isn't it isn't it just weird that that the people who would be affected the most by being implicated by a, a blood rage vampire seem to be the least interested in trying to find out who it is or trying to track it down? I and think it's Baldwin myself. I think Baldwin. Well, sorry, Domenico oh. said he didn't dissent. He didn't recognize. So he would know if it was Baldwin. Right. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Reason number 535 that Javert is is inept and doesn't know and needs to needs to get better is why isn't he pushing this? If he, if he has an inkling, even a small inkling that this could hurt the Declaremonts, why isn't he pushing this? Because if he proves if he proves that it is a Claremont, then he gets he gets Baldwin in trouble. If it's not if it, if it's not, then he gets cachet with the congregation. Why is he not pushing this? He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily like question. to get his he doesn't like to get his hands dirty. That's why he's but but, but Domenico, the thing, the thing is that, said I will do it if you give me Venice back. So that way, he's like, okay, well, I'll let Domenico take care of it. And I that's, don't have to that's, reason of, that's reason on 564 that he's in that day. He's still trusting, trusting Domenico. <laughs> Even after what he did to him. After, after, after he turned, he was, a t after he turned his back on, after he, after, after all that, he's like, I'm going to give you one more chance. <laughs> I don't even think it's about that. I think, I think what he has learned with Domenico is if you give Domenico what, what he wants, he'll be loyal. You just have to give him what he wants. And I think for Jaber, what he wants is the congregation. And in order to do that, he may have to work with some people that he doesn't particularly care for, Domenico and Peter Knox. But if it's going to give him what he wants, then yeah, he's willing to kind of shake hands and do whatever, be whatever. Yes, you but know? the fact the fact that he that he he was disloyal to him at the moment at the moment where he needed him the most and he still went back and trusted him is like you big. What you is her, really, Do you really think Jabert trusts Domenico? He has some some level of trust because he's still dealing with him. He didn't rip his throat out when he mm. came in and tried to tell him something. I, I, he probably doesn't trust him, but he still let him in his house, and he's still trying to do business with him. Which is what is which, the saying? Yeah. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. 
but it also says what our grandparents said. Once they show you what they really are the first time, trust Believe. that, not the second. Or something like that. You know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah, we got it. If people if people show you who they are one time, believe them. Exactly. Yep. But I don't think Jaber trusts Domenico. I know he does. I think what he trusts is the fact that Domenico will get things done in order to get what he wants. And Domenico wants Venice. So if Jaber is saying you need to get me this and this so that you can have Venice. He knows Domenico is going to do whatever it takes to achieve that goal. Mm. Now, whether or not Jaber is going to hold up his end of the bargain, that remains to be seen. Yeah, Jaber, Jaber needs to, the, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you Venice. Let's start with the canals. Rip his throat out and throw <laughs> the canals. <laughs> yep, that could happen too. But then, happen. But, but then see, Domenico, see, here's the thing. Domenico could be playing both sides. He could be yeah. saying, oh, you know, well, okay, three sides, three sides. He could be saying yes to this, yes to that, and then he, a third and maybe even have a fourth because I don't think that his allegiance is going to be just to just getting one thing. He's going to want to have multiple avenues to get what he wants, which is Venice. I don't think he actually cares. I think he cares enough that if something goes down, he's not going to be implicated. But other than that, it's hands off. His allegiance is where the power resides, where the power resides, where the power resides. <laughs> Sorry, yes, yes, exactly. But, but back to this Blood Rage vampire, I do think it's Jack because who else would want to steal? Because he was told just, to protect I, those I portraits. Just, I, 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 Jack. He said he was told to protect those I portraits, know, know, and so he broke into. He, right that now. was the only thing he stole. The, um, the only thing the person took were those portraits. It has to be Jack. Okay, you know this. You know what this unless, means. Unless his kid is kid still still alive at this point. Uh, good uh, point. Don't, good I don't question. know how long. Kit wouldn't, uh, wouldn't care about those portraits. No, he wouldn't. Well, no. <laughs> he, well, he well, burned them a long time ago. Yeah, that's true. He well, he cares yeah. about Matthew, though. Yeah, that's true. But it it, it just uh, I think what it is is that one of us, probably me, is going to have to just power through the books like within the next like four or five days just so we can have a piece of mind of no, stuff. I, <laughs> oh, clues. I really need I really Wait, need y'all to watch this. because it really does. He, he comes up think about it, the killing start when they go back and meet Jack. So right. as if he didn't exist up until they went back. Hate time travel. Hate it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of what I was so, saying earlier. Like, like that's probably the one major thing that changed because when Matthew was in fifteen ninety before, he wasn't thinking about raising a child because he wasn't married. That wasn't a thing for him. Mm -hmm. He was focused on his mission and doing what he was supposed to do. But he's back in fifteen ninety now. He has a wife, and not only does he have a wife, he has a wife that's a witch. And they have now taken in this stray kid who is human. It's just kind of like, again, Matthew breaking all the rules. But this is the one major thing that has changed. I have At a least theory. Until the next episode. Yes. I, I don't have my clicky pen, but I was thinking, and it just hit me. It just hit me. So 
we okay all right so okay I'm, I'm i'm still working on it okay so if matthew of 1590 has been displaced when 2020 matthew comes back 1590 matthew is gonna come back he's right. not gonna know who jack is so someone has to take jack in and protect him and there's only one vampire who is who does that. Mm. Lyndon, and that's Father Hubbard. Oh, I'm sitting here nodding because I knew exactly where you were going as soon as you said that. I just thought about that. If he has to, if he's, because the Matthew is like, who the fuck is this Jack dude? He's going to kick him out and he's going to exactly. take care of him. And, and, plus, and, plus, and, and that means Jack's going to be despondent because he doesn't recognize him and he's like, what the hell am I going to do now? Right. So if he's with Father Hubbard, that means Father Hubbard is probably the person that turned him. And probably, you know, and that makes a lot if of that's sense. the case, if that's the case, if that does happen, not only will Jack be despondent, he may also be angry. He's going to be angry. And Father, Very angry. Father Hubbard will probably use that Mm-hmm. Against the Declaremont family, mm-hmm. and and who's to say that Father Hubbard still isn't around? Oh, this is true. Yeah, would would Philippe have not put him on the congregation? I don't think so. I, I think that someone of that caliber, given his origin story, quote unquote, I don't think that you would want someone that polarizing at the beginning. I think that you might have seek his advice and his guidance, but as a public figure, which is what he is, uh, with the within the the creature community, it would have been a bad idea to do that. I think that maybe they would have said, "Okay, we're going to have you consult." And maybe 20, 30, 50 years from now, uh, when you reinvent yourself, if you choose to, we can introduce you then. Because Father Hubbard's going to have, see, here's the problem that I have with a lot of this, and I agree with Anthony a lot on on this, is that if you are a vampire for self-preservation, you need to, from Anne Rice all the way down to Jim Butcher, all the way down to Monster Hunter International, if you are a vampire, you have to reinvent yourself every, every 20 to 40 years. Because if you stay one place too long, people get curious, people start asking questions, yada, 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 cows disappear, drain the blood, waking up midnight, you know, whatever. But the thing is, is that there has to be some sort of deal in place to make this thing come together. Because let's think about it. It's 1590. Witches are being hunted. Okay, you've got vampires who are being hunted. You've got demons, which at the time we don't really know a lot about, but they're being hunted. They really had to have like a Herculean effort to put this congregation together, to make it stick, to get them all to agree on rules and then go out and make everyone who's under them abide by their rules. So this was a massive undertaking. So Philippe had to do a lot of heavy lifting. He had to do a lot of favors, a lot of begging, a lot of promises, a lot of gold, silver, whatever, to make this thing work because this is sort of like, the Magna Carta, the Declaration of Independence, the the, the Peace Treaty, the uh, Suez Canal, whatever. He had to do an epic level thing to get this in place. And not only that, it is held. It is 900 years later, and you got people with cell phones, internet, 
penicillin, and they are still abiding by these rules 900 years later. So for Philippe, yay! But at the same time, what did you do to make this stick? That's okay. a good question. Yeah, that's a good point. But I will say this as far as the Father Hubbard thing. I don't think that he would have been on the congregation simply because we already know there is no love lost between the Declaremonts mm -hmm. and Father Hubbard. Yeah, and, and he and based on his personality, he would have thought he was above that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he would have, he, yeah. he he has a family to protect. Mm -hmm. Or at the very least, ask him to be the head and he would have to politely decline in order to save face. It would it'll make, it'll make almost make more sense for him to be a knight, knight, of the, knight of Lazarus just to be opposite of the congregation. Of something but see, talking. I don't see him doing that either because again, no, no, I'm saying, I'm saying Lazarus that, no. is a Declaremont creation. I don't either. I'm just saying it would make more sense to be the opposite of anything that a Declaremont had a hand in creating and being in charge of. Like He'd want to be opposite, totally opposite that. I'm just saying. No. But now I'm thinking about the whole Jack thing. Like, okay, is this really Jack? And if so, why? And what happened? And uh, I... Uh, if I was writing it, this is what I would do. I would, I would have them leave Jack with Father Hubbard. And because Father Hubbard, you know, he protects the innocent, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> they go to him for protection. Jack grows up. Jack is still upset that Matthew doesn't know who he is, you know, about the whole situation. He has this blood rage now that he's dealing with as well. And, and at some point, Philippe, who probably now knows, you know, that Matthew from the past, I mean, from the future was the Matthew that was there. He probably, you know, finds Jack maybe. And... I don't know. I'm starting to. I'm starting to doubt myself now. But see, because the because because the only thing I can think of is that he flip out and that Jack would at some point flipped out and killed Father Hubbard, and Matthew and and Philip would be like, okay, wait a second, I need to go get a handle on this. But see, the only way that that would make sense is if Matthew either Matthew turned Jack, because if they turn him as a child, he will forever be a child. No, they won't do that. They won't so, do that. So yeah, they, the they don't. Rage, they won't, they won't so do then that. the blood rage thing for Jack really doesn't make sense unless he's turned later on. And it has to be by either Matthew or Isabel at that point. Unless, okay, I have to ask. Because I don't think the blood rage, see, if, if Philippe was going around and he killed all the vampires who had the blood rage, not all of them were the Claremonts. No, they would have been. Not all of them were, were, were from Isabel. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's possibly one of those things that is just a genetic thing in vampires in general. You know but what I'm saying? She says specifically that it's in her line, it's in her bloodline. Yeah. So whoever turned her could have turned other people. Oh, got, okay. I got you. Yeah. Because even Father Hubbard won't say who turned him. He says he turned himself, which, you know, I find that right. kind of But, you know what I mean? Yeah. But there, could be a, there could be a reason why 
he de- that why he doesn't like to declare Maz. But if Isabel turned him, but see if Isabel turned him, he would either be a carrier <clears throat> or uh-huh. he would be fully afflicted. So he's probably the a carrier. way it goes. Any of those children that he is, you know, turning or or taking blood from, they would the blood rage would have been apparent then. Well, then it's. Well, then we're doing a lot of theorizing. Mm-hmm. Well, then when Philippe decides to cull all of the blood rage vampires and the carriers, that would include Father Hubbard. But wouldn't okay. that already be an issue if he if he was already if he's turned if he as a vampire is from that sire line? Question. Wouldn't, that already, question. wouldn't that already be an issue at the at, in fifteen ninety? I I don't think it was really. I think it didn't become an issue until later. Question. Because it seems like he did it like part maybe part of the agreement of creating the congregation that Lori was mm. talking about was well then you have to get the control of your kind, and that would include getting rid of all of the blood rage vampire, their sire, and the carriers. But question real quick and you guys can go back do we know we don't know how the blood rage works it could be a Jekyll Hyde type of thing you know you have it or you don't know you have it you snap it affects you you black out you wake up you don't know and you go on about your business I'm done that's a possibility but okay I have to ask this question Lori Um, Mm. Louisa whose blood child is she is she Philippe's Philippe's, or is she Isabeau's oh see they never said so I don't know I haven't finished I haven't read enough that's a good question I suspect that she might be Isabel's child okay and then Gallo Glass if he is Matthew's nephew, that means that again, he's either Baldwin's son or another brother. Because I believe there's Baldwin. yeah, Baldwin because he said that his father was killed in France back. Okay, okay, know. so it was a, so there's another. Okay, so there's we know, another Declaremont brother. Okay, so we know that there's Matthew. There's the sister whose name escapes me. Louisa. There's Louisa. There's Baldwin, and there's possibly one to two others. Okay. So I'm thinking, but I'm thinking Philippe must have either a brother or a sister who is Gallo Glasses. Um, oh, you mean Philippe has siblings? Oh, wait. No. No, no Gallo Glass said he's No, we're nephew. skipping. That, that, so there must be another brother that we don't know about. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There has to be another brother or sister. Or sister. Or sister. Or sister. Yeah, so there has to be. So the question will also be then with those other siblings. Are they Philippe's blood bloodline or are they Isabeau's? Because if they're Isabeau's bloodline, then that would actually expand the possibilities of where the blood rage is coming from right. and who the person is in the future. Again, probably not going to change a lot because the only thing that has really changed in 1590 is the fact that Matthew and Diana are there. So who turned? We know who turned the house servant? Who turned Margaret? We don't know. Okay, so they could that could be Isabel too, or it could have been Philippe. See, I think I don't think I think Matthew is is Isabel's only si- sire. Okay. I okay. Think. Well, that would I, actually because, that would make because, sense. That would make because, sense because they may not have known about it 
until Matthew started doing it. And then Philippe noticed it and did the whole thing. That could be actually, yeah. So, okay. So given that, so all the other children, because he said that he is, that Baldwin is his last blood son. So all the other kids are Philippe's. Okay. That makes sense. No, would be Isabel's. Baldwin, I'm so confused. Baldwin says that he is Philippe's last remaining blood. Well, okay. He says he he says he's Philippe's last living blood son. Right. Which doesn't exclude having others. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Hmm. Okay. But um that's a lot of complicated contact tracing right there. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, it's a point. <laughs> like you bit him, then you bit him, but they bit you, and it's like, yeah, okay. Uh, but again, all see, that I'm, I'm thinking, really... I'm thinking Matthew has Matthew. See, we, I, I would hate to say it, but is it is it possible that that Matthew has some some sires out there that's just walking around that that we don't know about, like but during they... his during his you know, times when he was like gone that that Isabel said, you know, he told me never to ask Matthew. And if Matthew was out blood raging, he could have been creating vampires all Left over right. the freaking place. And right. that would have been when Philip was like, you know what, we need to get the handle on this mm-hmm. and went out and hunted them all down. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Too, so mm-hmm. he had to hunt them all down because but it was, some, it was, some of them may have may have escaped. Some may have, may, may have escaped. The only reason why I'm saying is Jack, it, it wouldn't be Jack because of the portrait. If it wasn't for the portraits, I wouldn't have any idea who it was. Right. And I think the portraits just point to that they told, she told Jack specifically, protect these for us. Mm-hmm. Or, or he could have, we don't know this, had a family in Crazy Town and Crazy Town sired someone or he sired someone with Crazy Town and they're running around killing everyone. Or Crazy Town's not dead and she comes up in the next Oh, no, she's dead. She's dead. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Julie I'm Julie sorry, Julie Mike. Julie. I like you, but she's dead. I'm just throwing another, like, abject theory out there. It's just... <laughs> yeah, no, she's she's definitely dead. So, I mean... I know, I know we've gotten like way away from that. Yeah. So, DNA map that we're listing right now. Well, we were talking about the, but it's so, the, we're it's talking so about the interesting to, Yeah, but it's so interesting to think about all of the different possibilities. But of course, mm-hmm. you know, even discussing all of that, I have to say, yeah, I think it's Jack for the most part. Again, I do have one other theory but that won't come into play until i don't even know if it'll be next episode and maybe the episode after that but if you go look at the preview for next episode or for what's coming up next you'll probably see where my thought process is going i just don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't watched it yet and doesn't know what characters are coming up well i saw it but i don't have a clue what you're talking about okay so (laughs) We'll discuss it at the next episode. Mm. But um, I think the only other real thing of note in this episode is the fact that Sophie is getting close to her due date. As we mentioned earlier, 
she and Nathaniel have been staying with Marcus for protection. And now it's come up that, you know, Miriam has done some testing on the baby and it appears the baby has an abnormal heartbeat, which means that instead of having the baby in Marcus's home in private, now they are required mm. to go to a hospital to have this child, which of course is going to prove a little bit risky because they're trying to hide the fact that their child may be a witch born to them. So this is going to cause problems. Go ahead, Lori. Okay, first of all, you're a doctor. You were born in 1776. You're freaking rich. Can you not go to a medical supply company, get all the equipment, hire a nurse, and do it at home? Done. Drops mic. He, but he's not an OB. But he's not an OBGYN. He's... Doesn't matter. He's still a freaking doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no. It does matter. No. That's not his specialty. That's not he, his specialty. That. If you're having a high-risk pregnancy, you do not want anybody but a, a doctor that specializes in that because so many things can go wrong. I mean, well, if it's I, a normal I, pregnancy, he would be fine. He'd be like, oh, yeah, well, we can live okay, with it. Okay, I, I, again, because you guys did, know he, I, I don't have kids, so I don't know. I just... You know, just I, outside looking in. I've seen enough ER episodes. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, he's emergency not a doctor. doctor. He could he could probably deal with you know a regular birth, but some something where the baby could possibly be at risk. And then again, you don't know exactly what this baby is gonna be. Oh yeah, because Mark Green on the episode of ER tried to deliver the at risk baby because he was like, "Well, I, I can do it. I'm a doctor. I'm a ER." Yeah, the baby died. Yeah, you yeah. don't. So you don't no. want to take that chance. And then okay, the OBGYN came it. down and she dressed him down real good about what did you think you were doing? You had an OBGYN, right? Jeez, so. fine, fine. Okay, okay, okay. Again, I don't have children. Never been pregnant. I have no idea. <laughs> I just, you know, I'll say it again. But okay, I'll give you that. But but okay, here's okay. So let me ask this series. I'm defending Marcus. Okay, but let me let me ask this serious question though. Okay, so why wouldn't you, given what you guys just told me, why wouldn't you use all that money that you have? Why wouldn't you quietly seek out a OBGYN, find a private hospital, very quiet, the rich people do it all the time, and have the baby there instead of a public Chicago med? Because the congregation is everywhere. It doesn't matter where they go. If they go in public somewhere, there's a chance that there's someone in the congregation that works from a familiar of one of the vampires or somebody who's, who's connected with one of them can be anywhere in public. Right. So okay. that's, right. that, that's the whole point of the, the baby in, in Marcus's, Marcus's apartment so that nobody sees them. But now that he can't do that, there's an increased chance that they're going to be spotted anywhere. Even walking out of their walking out of Marcus's apartment, they can be spotted. Walking into a hospital, they can be spotted. So, so are right. demons not supposed to have babies? It's not oh. that they're not supposed to have babies. One, they're staying in the home of a vampire, a well-known vampire. Two, yeah. if this baby turns out to be a witch that's going to be, that's something that's going to scare the congregation. And like Agatha said, they will come and take that baby from them. But how would they know that the baby's a witch? 
because the baby might come out spinning and you know doing hexes and stuff who knows i mean you know right i mean i think i think from what we can determine it's harder to tell when demons are demons until they're older but i think for witches they're they're pretty much you know that from birth so it, it's just I mean, you know it's not like they, they don't come out with like a pointy hat or anything it's just like you know it's a feeling dude okay do you remember in harry potter when they were at the games and the little baby witches were running around with the little wands and they were doing a little circle thing yes and the worms it's harry it potter, it, yes it would it would well i know it would it might be something like that yeah by the way that was one of the cutest scenes ever you know because they're running around the little heads it could have been so it could be something like that where the baby comes out and the baby just does something unintentionally magical that gets everyone's attention mm-hmm. and you can't ignore it human or not Right. And yeah, I was being funny, funny, not funny about the Harry Potter because I know you know. (laughs) I know, I know. But the other thing is, this makes me curious as to how did Sophie's parents hide the fact that they, as witches, gave birth to a demon child? How did they hide that? Well, like you said, if I don't, I don't. It seems as if, I don't know, maybe we found the inconsistency because it seems because demons, you can't really tell a demon until they're an adolescent. Is that, could that be true for witches too? Like, is that like when, when, what's his name? Peter came to test Dana and he found that she didn't have any powers. Did he just say, he put, he put it down that she was a human? Like, she was just a witch with no powers. So it's possible when they came and tested, tested her, you know, they were like, Oh, well, she's just a witch with no powers because she hasn't expressed being a demon yet. Okay. So that that could be the case because I don't know. I, I, because my thing is, do you pick up on the fact that someone is a demon just like, you know, Diana was able to pick up Matthew in a crowd or she was able to tell that a whole bunch of creatures were in the library? Like, is it something about a vibe or an aura that they give off? And then if that's the case, even if she didn't show any kind of magical aptitude as a younger as a younger person, like if they just thought, okay, well, you know, these two witches gave birth to a non-magical child. As she got older, wouldn't it have been apparent? I mean, obviously, she's identifying as a demon now. And she's with another demon because if she was with anybody else, that would have been an issue. So my question is, how is it that the congregation don't realize that who her parents are? Like, I would, I would think that they would kind of like they do in Harry Potter, you know, they keep track of magical children and they keep, they keep track of the offspring of witches and wizards. And then if a child is non-magical, they write them down as a squib and keep on going. I would think that if you're having a, an organization that's that controlled as far as keeping vampires separated from witches, separated from demons, you would have to have some kind of accountability. There's... There's two possibilities. Remember what I told you before or said before about, about demons being blanks that 
the potential to be either a vampire or a witch. Mm-hmm. Right. It's possible that some of those things, the congregation doesn't, maybe not, maybe, maybe it's one of those unspoken things that they know that they don't tell anyone else. Like, it's possible they're like, okay, they know that she's not magical. They may assume, okay, well, she's probably going to grow up and, and become a demon. And they know this. So they don't sweat about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm. Like, it's a po- it's possible that, well, then, you know, these two witches had a child. The child has absolutely no magic at all. That probably means that child is a demon because you know it's not a human. So, but my why would you why would you assume that? Because because they they have these arcane arcane rules that they need to change. Okay, because otherwise 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 it's another inconsistency. Because now it's like it's just an inconsistency. Because yeah, of course you went to this. You have fouls and all these people having their children. We know they have fouls because they have files we've seen them they keep track of this stuff so they know that she was born of witches and how all of a sudden now she's a demon but you guys don't know so i guess at that point once they find out they don't have any power they don't ever go back and check in on them they don't ever maybe a witch come across her and saw that she was a demon but not necessarily know that her parents were witches okay you, you know the think- she she's married to the son of a congregation member you don't think that they investigate their families and their backgrounds like they like like they would in regular government like they do in like Mm. there has to be a checks and balances system and if that's the case if they don't pay attention to that or if they just kind of let her slide okay well she wasn't born a witch maybe she'll be a demon we'll just keep that on the on the down low we'll just keep it out then why would it be so why would it be so important it's, for it's just it's, it's just one of those inco- it's one of those inconsistencies it's just the inconsist- what about what about a dud look what look the witches are losing their power the vampires are having problems sorry it's entirely within the realm of possibility that the kid was born a non-magical person but but yeah but now she's question. a demon and she's but married the, a demon. That, exactly but that's the, that's the issue i have if she was born non-magical, I can understand mm-hmm. that if they if they can accept that witches had a non-magical child or what they determined to be a non-magical child, fine. But you are a grown-up now and are a demon. Are you telling me that the congregation who your mother-in-law is a part of did not do the research when the son got married? Oh, okay, here's this demon. Okay, here's this other demon. Well, who is she? We don't have any record of her. And, her and they have mm. and they have really Good point. Strict, Good point. Strict rules about demons being together, right? Right. They, so yeah, that must true. mean they keep track of who they are with and with, mm. how many of them are together, how many kids they're having. So, but I'm on. I'm with Hanukkah on this. Like, how do you not like unless true. someone falsified yeah. records? It's possible that someone falsified records because, you know, her mother-in-law is on the council. She and is a congregation member. And technically, you you both are right. Technically, if you look at the way they want demons separated, his mother and him should have no contact with each other. 
I think families is fine. I just think it's a numbers thing. I think they okay. they just okay. want to know where they are and make sure they're not all just getting together and you know meeting in IRC chat rooms. Yeah, meeting <laughs> in chat rooms, plotting to overthrow the vampires and the witches. Oh. Right. Well, it would. Well, well. First of all, it would serve them right, but in a different. And, and you would think that they would have to get permission, like. But of course, his mother is a congregation. Yeah, and and, she's, and, and she probably right. has a ability to access records. So I, even though I don't think she would have done that, I don't think she would. Agatha she would seems to me no. like she's that. one Agatha of the. I'll take that back. She would. She wouldn't have done that. Yeah, but but as but you're, you, I think it's just one of those inconsistencies that that a writer just has to swallow that one because of what she wants to do with the characters. Like I need for her parents to be witches and her to be a demon in order to make this plot point work. So I'll just swallow the inconsistency and, and not have to worry about it. Mm. Because mm-hmm. when you when you look at it too hard, it doesn't make. It's one of those things that doesn't really make any sense. Like. Mm-hmm how do they not know that her parents were witches and she's a demon now? And why is that not a problem? Because even if she was a dud, because of the rules you have with species not mixing, she's technically still a witch. She shouldn't be married to a demon. So you have that there too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Either that or you knew that her parents were witches, that she became a demon, so it was okay for her to marry a demon. But then you also then would have to understand, well, then there's a possibility that their child might actually be a witch. So you can't look at it too hard because how it's playing out, it doesn't make any sense, but it works as far as the plot goes. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all got quiet out there. I'm just saying, I agree with Hanako. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, no, you got me thinking. That's the thing. Yeah, y'all make y'all making perfect sense. I mean, it's like, if we, if, I mean, it's the one time we're we're in season two and we finally figured that out. We're like, wait, hold up! Like it took us like a season and a half to figure that out. Yeah. So thanks to Harry Potter. <laughs> um, have we covered everything? I think we, I think beat we covered everything. everything yeah. we, we beat everything down pretty much, especially Marcus. Poor Marcus. Yeah. Like I like I said, I you know I had no problem defending him because I I really think that his storyline is gonna change. I think that he's his character is gonna show some growth, and he's just I don't know he's just at that awkward stage. I mean, if you think about it, in the grand scheme of things, technically speaking, two hundred and something years old, you're still a young vampire. I mean, how old is Matthew? He's a baby. He's he's. A baby, like Lori said. <laughs> so he, yeah, yes. he's still he's still learning. He's still trying to navigate. And then again, if you think about it, Marcus is not used to being in the forefront of anything. He's used to kind of being in the background, kind of not having to make the big decisions. So this is a this is a learning point. He 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 needs to learn how to do a few things, how to maneuver a few things. He needs to learn how to be a little more discreet. He needs to learn how to flirt because I will say this, him flirting with um, Phoebe in the office and being very obvious about what, how bad he wanted those portraits, you know, oh yeah, I mean, just offering to throw money around like, oh, I'll go ahead and pay 200, 200 pounds cash for it. Marcus, I need you to be a little more subtle. Yes. Mark, I have a theory. 
have a theory. Uh-huh. All, all the writers in this show are awkward-ass nerds because we've seen Marcus not had not not be able to flirt, and we've seen Diana not be able to flirt <laughs> at all. So, all. All virgin nerds that are writing this that have no idea that okay, we have to write we have to write this so that she's flirting. How do you flirt? That's a horrible stereotype. Okay, but tell me why. That's a horrible stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. You're probably going to get blasted. I agree that I'm a nerd and I'm incredibly awkward. So I can, so I feel, I feel like I can say this and know that I'm speaking from a place of experience and a place of love as opposed to a place of being mean because. It's like they're they're sitting in a room and they're like, okay, she has to flirt with him now. How do you flirt? Tell her to ask, maybe ask him for a kiss. No. What if she asked him how how she tastes? Yeah, that's really romantic. You know that's how it happened, but it's okay because I understand these things and I, I come from a place of love with this, so that's fine. Also, I'm looking forward to Phoebe being. Being Marcus's human sidekick and them getting into trouble and Marcus throwing her aside and fighting and grabbing her and running off and that's going to happen in the next few episodes I can tell. And also, I was I've been thinking I was thinking of what Domenico who Domenico reminded me of was a specific character and I figured it out. Um, in Luke Cage, there's a character that Theo Rossi plays called Shades. <laughs> I'm. Shades is a character that stays in the background and doesn't and doesn't really get involved in fighting or anything, but he always manages to be in the right place and manage to manages to figure things out and stay behind the scenes, but still be involved in everything. So that's who he reminds me of. So who's this black Mariah? Huh? Who's, who's Mariah? Black, who's this black Mariah? Miriam. Oh Jesus. Wait, who? He said Miriam. Because <laughs> she she too unstable to be Isabel. Isabel's just too oh, calm and correct. Oh, uh, for, for like Mariah's unstable. Oh my! Uh, all, I, all I'm saying is that if you guys have not watched Luke Cage, you have to watch season two. <laughs> that was the funniest. I, I, yeah, that I gotta, was the I best gotta, thing ever. That was Black Mariah. Yeah, I gotta figure that out. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was the that, that season two was like the best thing ever. And they canceled after that. I was like, it was just gonna be good. I know, it was I just know. gonna be the cage. But yeah, this I can't I can't wait for the next episode because because the Philippe reveal has to be in the next episode. It has to be. And, and, and not only that, the the previews, the fact that Diana is literally throwing him out, and then you see the next preview where she's like on her knees and she's like in pain, and I'm sort of like Oh, I want to see this. I want to see this now. You know, I mean, just you know. Yeah, I think the next episode is going to be really, really intense. Like, I'm, I'm fully expecting it. And then, of course, we got to see a preview of James Purifoy as Philippe. So, yeah, that's going to be exciting. But yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I drove you to IMDb for that one. That's okay because I knew he was in the cast, but I couldn't find anywhere that told who he was playing. And then after we recorded that episode, I looked on IMDb again and I finally saw it. I don't think they had put his information up yet at the time that the first episode was. So it's cool. 
It's yeah, I love Purifoy. Purifoy is one of my favorite actors. It's like I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I want him to be a, a cross between Richard the Lionhearted and his character in the following. I want it to be like a nice little mix of both of those characters. That would be freaking awesome. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see how that's going to go for the next episode. But for now, that's it for our show. You can find us online at www.phantomhybrid.com. We are on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Phantom Hybrid. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time. <laughs>